All right, folks, it's time to study the Word of the Lord. Turn in your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. If you need a Bible, raise a hand, and we'll have a couple of gentlemen coming around with Bibles. Raise them high, and turn to the book of 1 Corinthians. I'd like to also welcome those who are possibly tuning in live from college. Welcome. Turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. So glad that you could join us on this rainy, dreary day in November. Is it November 5th? Good, good. (laughs) All right, everybody there. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. If you're there, just need you to put your Bibles above your heads. Quick exercise. Bibles above the heads. Or phones. Phones above the heads. And repeat after me. I love God. I love God's Word. I love candy. Candy canes. Candy corn. And syrup. Thank you, thank you. Elf. All right, it's almost Christmas time. We got to get in the Christmas mood, the Christmas spirit. Just making sure you're there after a long Monday. All right, but nonetheless, always such a privilege just to gather together studying God's Word. I'm a Bible geek, I'm a Bible nerd, and this is my favorite time of the week when we just get to come together and study God's Word together. Um, Our world, obviously, um, we live in a very confusing world and very confusing times, And so what do we need to do to discern our way through this confusing world? We need to get wisdom. I mean, we are confused, our world is, our society is, on matters such as sexuality, uh, parenting, politics, money. And so what do we need to do as the local church in order to discern our ways through the difficult topics of life is we need to get wisdom. We need to get wisdom. So I've decided to take us through a series called Be Wise, Be Wise, and we'll make our way through the book of 1 Corinthians together. And this is the the verse we're going to uh, build our our study upon. It comes out of Proverbs 4-7, and I love to hear us all say this together. So on three, we're going to say this aloud. One, two, three. Wisdom is supreme, therefore get wisdom. Though it cost all you have, get understanding. So this is the verse we're going to build upon for our study as we pursue wisdom together. Um, And Paul mentions the word wisdom 30 times throughout his letter to the church at Corinth. 30 times the word wisdom or wise or some derivative thereof is mentioned 30 times throughout these 16 chapters. 27 of those 30 times is mentioned in just the first three chapters. 27 of those 30 times mentioned in just the first three chapters. So we're going to dig out uh, the whole book together and and learn how to be wise in different areas of our lives. Uh, We only made it past verse 2, last study, our first study. But, uh, you know, we're going to make it through chapter 1, um, or most of it tonight. We're not going to move that slowly as we, as we make our way through, through the book. But uh, I just felt that there were some important principles we needed to dissect. And to, so, to summarize real briefly last week, we, we uh, studied Paul's principle to be wise in your calling. Be wise in your calling. Now, what do I mean by that? And what does Paul mean by 
in your calling. Now, we are all called to specific things in our lives. We're called uh, to be teachers or mechanics or whatever the Lord might call you uh, in life. That's your unique, your specific calling. That's not what Paul is addressing here, though. Paul is addressing the like-minded calling that we as believers are all called to. There is something similar um, and the same that we as believers in the Lord, we are all called to a certain thing and we need to be wise in our calling. That was our first principle last week. And so what does Paul address here? Well, he says we need to be wise in our calling concerning holiness because we are called to be holy. And this is what Paul addressed to the Corinthian church, because the Corinthian church was messed up. I mean, the Corinthian church was, they were, having, they were filled with sexual immorality. They were adopting the practices of their world. They were having sex outside of marriage. They were getting drunk at communion, of all things. Um, they, they were um, just having questions about money, and they, just, they, they were adopting their worldly practices, uh, and they were adopting the, the pagan influences around them. And Paul says, listen, you need, to be, you need to be wise about your calling, because firstly, we're all called to be holy. When we come into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, we are called to be holy and our position before God needs to match our practice. Our position before God needs to match our practice, our behavior, and our actions. So what does this mean? Well, positionally, before God, we are made right, we are made righteous, we are seen as holy and pure before God, not because of anything we've done. I mean, we've done some messed up stuff ourselves, we're sinners, and so we do not positionally, uh, we're not positionally made right before God because of anything we've done, but when Jesus died on the cross and rose again, promises forgiveness of sins through his death and resurrection, when we come to Jesus Christ in faith, positionally before God, we need to understand this, that we are all made righteous, that we are all seen as being right in right relationship with God. We are seen as holy. When God looks at us, he sees his son, Jesus. So positionally, we're made right before God. But then why does our practice, why does our behavior, why do our actions not match our position? And this was the problem of the Corinthian church. Their practice wasn't matching their position. They were living like the world. They were living in the idolatry, in the paganism, in the sexually, sexual immorality of the world. And Paul says, listen, why isn't your practice matching your position? So this was our first be wise. Be wise in your calling. And Paul addressed this to the Corinthian church as an important matter. Before he even addressed their dirt, before he addressed their sin, before he uh, kind of went into their business, he first said, listen, you got to remember who you are. You're a holy people, therefore live holy. Therefore live holy. So we're going to continue in be wise in your calling, but our second principle for tonight is to be wise in your calling concerning fellowship. We are called into fellowship. So look with me starting in chapter 1, verse 4. Verse 4, and we're going to read down to verse 9. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ who will also confirm you to the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9, God is faithful by whom you were called, circle the word called, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. I'm going to read that again. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's pause there and pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you now and we commit our Bible study to you. 
I pray that you would teach us, Lord. I pray that you would open our hearts to receive what you would like to speak to us tonight. Pray for everybody in this room that uh, no matter the kind of day they had, Lord, whether it was busy, uh, whether it was a good day, whether it was a bad day, whether it was stressful, uh, whether there was anxiety within the day, I pray that we would just commit all of that to you now that you would remove some of those distractions from our mind, that we could just focus on you, focus on your word, that we might receive what we learned tonight and apply it to our lives. We love you, Lord. We commit our Bible study to you now, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Be wise in your calling. We are called into fellowship. So this is what Paul is saying here. Paul says, you need to be wise and understand the importance of fellowship in the Lord And with each other. The word fellowship, the etymology, two words, fellow, ship. Fellow, and then ship. All right, so what is ship? And I've got to be careful when I say that word. I've got to pronunciate it, pronounce, pronounce it very, very closely, carefully. Ship. (laughs) So, ship is the condition or the uh, position. Or an office. So, fellowship is the condition of being a fellow. All right, so what is the word fellow? Well, a fellow is a friend or a companion or a comrade. So, fellowship is being in the condition of a comrade, of a friend, of a companion. This is the word fellowship. And this is a very Christian word. I mean, we use the word fellowship far too much, probably, within the church. I mean, even during announcements, I said there's going to be great food and fellowship. I mean, we love the word fellowship, especially within the church. And this is a, just a, a very Christian, uh, Christianese kind of a word, fellowship. I mean, whenever, you know, oftentimes I'll be doing announcements in Main Sanctuary, I can, I can hardly ever not use the word fellowship in some kind of a capacity, all right? Guys, come to the steak and study. There's going to be great steak, great eggs, great Bible study, and of course, fellowship. I mean, it's just a word you just love to say. I mean, the fellowship is just such a, a great word to say. I mean, you, you know, people always ask, will there be opportunities for fellowship at this event? Well, of course, little Johnny. We're going to have great times of fellowship. I mean, fellowship your brains out, all right? It's going to be great. But fellowship, I mean, it's a biblical word. It's a biblical word, okay? So don't, don't be afraid of it. Enjoy it. Embrace the word fellowship. Fellowship in the Greek, and Paul uses this word in our, in our, uh, our verse, um, verse 9. Uh, fellowship is the Greek word koinonia. And it means fellowship, it means this intimacy, this companionship, this camaraderie that we have both with the Lord and with each other. And so Paul drills down on this concept of the importance of fellowship and the wisdom that is in commitment and consistent fellowship with each other. The intimacy that we find with each other and the Lord through fellowship. And even Paul says, I mean, this is a a family term, and Paul addresses them as family. Look at verse 10. Verse 10, he addresses them as family. He says, now I plead with you, brethren, says the New King James, or brothers, sisters, I, now I plead with you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you. So Paul addresses them as brothers. Paul addresses them as family members. And Within a family, there's going to be intimacy, there's going to be camaraderie, there's going to be that companionship. I mean, part of my responsibility as overseer of this ministry is to cultivate a spirit of fellowship and a spirit of unity. And Paul says, listen, in order to have proper fellowship, we first need to have 
proper unity. As believers, we are called to fellowship with the Lord and each other, but to have proper fellowship, there has to be proper unity. And part of my responsibility as overseer of the ministry is to cultivate a, a spirit of unity. And if, there, if anybody attempts to divide us as believers, as a local body of believers, that person needs to be confronted for their division And even after, if they don't change their ways, after they've been confronted of their division, that person needs to to leave. That person needs to be told to go to protect the unity of the body. And that's part of my responsibility is to cultivate that spirit of unity. And it's important, Paul says, that, that we all be family, that we all be brothers and sisters in the Lord. So he says, I plead with you, brothers, that you all speak the same thing in verse 10 and that there be no divisions among you but that you be perfectly joined together. The word perfectly joined together, that phrase, is actually a medical term, and it speaks of how the human body is perfectly knit together. So we as a body of believers need to see the wisdom in consistent fellowship, need to see the wisdom that is in uh, being united as a family, as brothers in the Lord, as sisters in the Lord. And look, look at verse 11 with me. It says, For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brothers, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. So Paul gets word that there is division among the local body here at Corinth. And he says, listen, he's going to expose the household. He says, listen, Chloe's household told me all about it. Now, this is kind of just a side note. This is a great principle, okay? Chloe's household goes to Paul uh, when, when they hear about the division, when they see the division going on amongst their local body, says, they, they reach out to Paul says, listen, Paul, we need your help. There is division among the body. Now, this is just a, a side note, a good principle. If you have a problem, go to the right person. If you have a problem, go to the right person. If you have a problem at work, go to the right person. Don't gossip behind uh, someone's back if you have a problem with them. Go uh, to them, go to them, confront them with the problem, or go to the manager, go to your manager, go to your boss. If you have a problem with a person, go to the right person to address the problem. This is what Chloe's household does. There's a problem within the church. There's a division within the church at Corinth, and Chloe's household goes to Paul because Paul planted the church, and Paul says, listen, I heard about your division and your quarreling from Chloe's household. It needs to be addressed. And now we find the reason for their division in verse 12. What are they fighting about? Well, look at verse 12. Now I say this, that each of you says, I am of Paul, or I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, or I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Now these are all rhetorical questions. Of course not. Verse 14, I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, lest anyone should say that I baptized in my own name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Besides that, I don't know whether I baptized any other. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. Pause there with me. So what was the division going on in this church? They were divided because they started following different men instead of following the Lord. They were starting to idolize different leaders within the church. So it says that they started to say, well, I follow Paul. Well, I follow Apollos. Well, I follow Cephas. Cephas is Peter. Peter is his Greek name. Cephas is his Aramaic name. So I follow Peter, Peter the the Apostle. 
Well, I follow Jesus. So some were following Jesus, which was the right person to be following, but others were following Paul because maybe Paul baptized them. Some were following Peter because they learned under Peter's ministry. And you have to understand at this time the Greco-Roman mindset because before them, within uh, ancient Greece and ancient Rome, there was Socrates, there was Plato, there was Aristotle, and all of those uh, philosophers had their own following, their own disciples. And so this is their Greco mindset. They're starting to follow other people. So they take this mindset into the church and they say, well, I follow Peter. Who do you follow? Well, I follow Paul. Paul baptized me. Paul's a little bit cooler than Peter. Well, I follow Apollos. Who do you follow? So they were starting to have this mindset, well, we follow other men. And it was beginning to divide them. They were starting to fight over it. Well, who's better, Paul or Peter or Apollos? And so they were having these quarrels amongst them. But Paul says, listen, we're just servants like you. We're just mere men. And he, he then defines the source of their unity. Look at verse 17. He defines the source of their unity, saying, stop being divided by these things. And in verse 17, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. Verse 18, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So what was their unifying source? It was the cross. It was the cross of Christ. Have you guys ever just been really close with someone? You could potentially be great friends with someone, but you didn't even have anything in common with them, but you were united because you both loved the Lord. I mean, I've had those friendships where we didn't really have much in common surface level. You know, I like sports, they didn't, whatever. But we were still unified. We were still great friends because we both loved the Lord. And this is their unifying source that Paul says, you can't forget that you're not divided by who you follow. Okay, we're just mere men like you guys. But we're united because of the cross. We're united because of the cross. Just a quick little side note here. I just want to point this out. Verse 17, Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. I just wanted to point this out because uh, not a lot of churches, but some churches will teach that you need to be baptized to be saved, okay? Paul makes a delineation between baptism and the gospel, saying Christ did not send me to baptize, but he sent me to preach the gospel. So baptism, in essence, is not the gospel. I just wanted to point that out. If any of you were curious or you had heard doctrinally or maybe you were taught that you needed to be baptized to be saved, okay, there's no work that you need to add on to your salvation. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus. Praise the Lord. We don't need to do anything to gain salvation. Baptism is simply a response to our salvation, not a requirement for our, for our salvation. Just wanted to point that out there. But Paul noticed, uh, notice Paul unifies them in the cross of Christ. And I love how we in this group of believers can be so diverse in our interests, can be so diverse in our likes, but we are all united under one fact, that we love the Lord and it is the cross of Christ that saves us. And I just wanted to let you guys know that I, I love you guys and I am so proud and privileged to be your brother in the Lord and to have you as brothers or sisters in the Lord because we're all united in the Lord. We're all united under the cross. And John 1.12 says, For as many who have believed in Jesus Christ, He gave them the right to become children of God. So if we're all children of God, that means we're a family. We are all brothers and sisters in the Lord. And Paul says you need to be treating each other like this. You guys are fighting. And families fight, sure. 
But you guys need to remember what unites you. It's the cross of Christ. And we need to gain wisdom in this area of our lives and understand the importance of fellowship. We need to be faithful in our fellowship. Be faithful and committed to fellowship for three reasons. The first reason is for accountability. The first reason we need to be consistent in our fellowship and faithful in our fellowship, number one, is for accountability. All right, now I want to be sensitive uh, in in the way I I say this, but I also want to be direct. Um, It is important to keep each other accountable, and it is important to... um, to be consistent and committed to fellowship for the sake of our accountability. And listen, I know that um, some of you um, like to go to different churches for different things, okay? I'm not blind to the fact that some of of you uh, like to go to different churches for for different things. You like uh, the teaching here on Sundays, but you like worship at another place, and you like events at another church, and you like Bible study at another church, okay? And listen, you know, um, there, there's a time and a place for that. There's a time when you're trying to discern where the Lord is calling you, um, what, what church family the Lord is calling you to, what church home the Lord is calling you to. There's a time to, to check out different churches, look at different churches to discern what, what church home is the Lord calling me to, okay? Um, so I understand that. I'm not talking either about visiting other churches, okay? There's nothing wrong with that, but I'm talking about um, there, there is, there, I'm, I'm trying to, to caution you towards the habit and making a pattern out of going to different churches for different things. And, and the reason is for accountability. Because it can be um, very easy to hide your sin and your problems by bouncing from here to there. And it's just, it's just the truth. Because there is... Uh, within fellowship, there is accountability. The more we get to know each other, the more we're faithful and consistent and committed to our fellowship, the more we get to know each other. And the more we get to know each other, the more we feel the um, openness to share our sin or our struggles with each other. But the, the, the danger is the more you uh, hop from here to there for different things, the less you know, the more the more surface relationships you might gain, but you can't go as deep. And so within faithful fellowship, within committed fellowship, there is the opportunity for healthy accountability. And a lot of us, and our, this is our culture, we are such, uh, our culture is, uh, is very um, centered around consumerism. And we treat church like a buffet. And we go to this church for the green beans, we go to this church for the steak, we go to this church for the pie, we go to this church for the mashed potatoes, and we treat church like a buffet because our culture has developed this mindset of consumerism and we brought that mindset into the church and we think and we ask her, we, we, we think that church is supposed to address our needs. We ask ourselves, how can this church address this need of mine? But we need to start asking, how can I serve one another within the church? And stop asking, what can this church do for me? What, how can this church meet my needs? And we need to start asking, how can we serve and how can we meet the needs of others? Because if we're consistently looking out for our own needs, if we're consistently seeking our own needs to be met, no one's needs will be met. But if we're consistently looking out for other people, if we're looking out for the needs of others, everyone will eventually be taken care of. And so we need to be wise in our calling for consistent fellowship, number one, for the sake of accountability. Now, number two is for the sake of 
if I can get this slide to advance, is for the sake of investability. For the sake of investability. Now, I put that word in quotes because I don't think it's an actual word in the sense that I'm going to use it. However, within consistent and committed fellowship, there is investability. Investability, where we can invest our gifts, our spiritual gifts, we can invest our, our talents, we can invest our monetary gifts, our tithe, we can also invest our lives into each other. We can have um, this investment into each other's lives. Because it says this in Galatians 6 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Well, if we're not committed to faithful fellowship, we're not going to know each other's burdens. And if we don't know each other's burdens, how can we even bear those burdens? So to fulfill Galatians 6, 2, to bear one another's burdens, we have to get to know one another. We have to get to know each other. We have to get to know each other's struggles. We have to get to know each other's burdens. Therefore, we'll have the ability to bear them. Invest in the lives of others. Um, I love football. Um, I've said that before. Um, I uh, went to Loudoun County High School, played a little bit of football there, and we could be uh, down 45 to zero, all right? But the cheerleaders were obnoxiously still waving their pom-poms and saying their little chants, all right? It was, it was weird. But at the same time, you know, they were still waving their pom-poms and, and saying all of their chants or whatever. You know, chant sounds uh, kind of um, like witchcraft, all right? It's uh, <laughs> not what I mean it by. Uh, but, you know, they were waving their pom-poms, cheering us on. We would be down 45-0, but that's the same thing we need to do in the local body, okay? We need to invest in each other's lives. We need to uh, stir one another on. We need to spur them on. We need to encourage them when people are down. We need to cheer them on. We need to push them towards the Lord. We need to be cheerleaders for each other. And this is what Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 says. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the fellowship of ourselves together, as is the manner of some but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. The opportunity for investability comes with commitment to fellowship. And it's important that we be wise and understand that as a local body of believers, we are to invest in one another. And then thirdly, we need to understand the importance of our call for fellowship for the sake of maturity. For the sake of maturity. Um, how many of you have been to uh, the Redwood Forest, California? Any of you? A couple of you? I've never been myself, but I've seen pictures. All right, so along the coastline of California, you've got redwood trees, one of the largest living organisms in the world, redwood trees. Um, if you've seen pictures, if you've been there, it's a beautiful sight. Redwood trees, some of them can even reach tops of 300 feet high, 300 feet high, about 40 feet around, and some of them are even 250 plus years old. I mean, it's a, it's a crazy sight. I, I hope to have the opportunity to go. But the reason these trees are able to grow so large is because they're rooted together and their roots are all intertwined together. They're able to grow so large in groves because they stick together and their roots are so deeply rooted in one another. If there's no intertwining, there's no growth. And so we, in order to mature in the Lord, in order to mature 
and grow together, we need to be intertwined with one another. We need to be held together. We need to grow together. We need to intertwine our lives together. Because some Christians, some Christians are like orphans. Some Christians, they don't have a home. All right? Some Christians um, are, are like foster kids. All right? They bounce around from, from home to home. And we know that child development is best through connection. Children and babies grow in a family when they are best connected to each other. So growth happens when there is connection. And so to mature together in the Lord, to mature together as believers, we need to continue to connect. We need to continue to have faithful fellowship. Accountability, investability, and maturity. The importance of our fellowship. And we need to be wise and understand this. Now, this is why we have our Friendsgiving events. This is why we have our nights of worship. This is why we'll have quarterly events as young adults to cultivate uh, fellowship. And so, you know, I know it can be awkward at first. I know even coming to young adults on Monday nights, you don't know anybody or maybe you know a couple of people and just getting to know people is an awkward thing. Embrace it. It's going to be a little awkward. It's going to be a little uncomfortable. All right. But we have to be wise and understand the importance of our fellowship. There's accountability within uh, fellowship. There is the opportunity to invest in one another. And there's the opportunity to mature together and to grow together. And we need to be wise. There is wisdom when we practice commitment and consistent fellowship with one another. And so I'm so glad that you're here. And I encourage you to come out November the 19th. Just another plug to our Friendsgiving event. You know, get plugged in on Sunday mornings. Get plugged in Wednesday nights to the church. Join a K group. K group is short for koinonia, the Greek word for fellowship, our fellowship groups. Get plugged in and get connected to the body of Christ so that you can mature, so that you can uh, invest in, in one another, and so that you can be held accountable in our walk with the Lord. And so Paul, before he gets into their, uh, their other business, he first addresses their division. He says, listen, you're a divided church. You need to understand the importance of fellowship because there is wisdom in commitment and faithful fellowship. And so I just want to end by again reading Hebrews 10, 24 to 25. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you now. And we ask that you would continue to cultivate a spirit of unity amongst the group tonight. We pray that you would continue to cultivate the fellowship that rests within young adults on Monday nights. We pray that you would just continue to cultivate in our hearts a spirit of love and patience toward one another. I pray that you would help us develop those friendships It can be uncomfortable or awkward at times, Lord, but I pray that you would just help us, Lord, just to make new friends, to meet new people in order that we can hold ourselves accountable to walk close with you, to invest in each other, and to mature together, to grow together. So, Lord, I pray that within this group, within this ministry, that you would help us, Lord, that you would fill us with your spirit, that you would give us wisdom in this area that you would help us to understand the importance of fellowship with one another. Help us not to be a divided people, Lord. Help us not to follow after other people, but help us to follow after you. You are our chief shepherd, 
and we are your sheep. We are the sheep of your pasture. So I pray that you would unite us under the commonality of your son Jesus, that we would worship you, that we would glorify you, that in our speech towards one another, the way we talk to people, the way we talk about people would always be encouraging, would be with love, would be with truth, would be with grace. So we need your help, Lord. You are the source of our unification, the cross of Christ. We are all united under that. So Lord, help us. Unite us as a group, Lord. And we just come together tonight and we proclaim your goodness. We proclaim that you are good. We proclaim that you are loving. We proclaim that you are kind. We proclaim that you are Lord. We proclaim that you are God. What a joy it is to be united under that fact. So tonight I pray for my brothers in Christ. I pray for my sisters in Christ. That we would treat each other as family. That we would love each other. And that we would be committed and faithful to our fellowship with one another. We love you, Lord. We praise you. I pray for the rest of this week. It's only Monday, so I pray for Tuesday. Tomorrow, Lord, I pray that you would be gracious to us. You'd help us at work or school with whatever we might be doing tomorrow. Be with us, Lord. May we glorify you in everything that we say and in everything that we do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen.